This is Living the Breed with Fox News Chief Legal Correspondent Shannon Breed. I am very excited today to welcome one of my favorite people to the Live in the Bream podcast. I mean, he's a tough get. I'm not going to try to pretend like this was easy, but the payoff is totally worth it. Please welcome Chris Steyerwalt, ladies and gentlemen. Thank I, you for being with me. I work in the office next to yours, literally next to yours. <laughs> but and, you're a busy man. And I'm on television with you at least three times a week. But you are busy. You were in demand. So to get 20 minutes of your time, that's a pretty valuable uh, chunk of real estate. I want to make clear, though, at the outset that I only am doing this under the knowledge that I am not cheating on Dana and our podcast, and that you, in fact, are also going to invite Dana on separately. Oh, yes, absolutely. She and I, although a lot of the stuff she and I talk about, probably can't do for public consumption. Probably not. We'll find 20 minutes of material that we can talk about in public. But in the meantime, mm-hmm. I'm glad to have uh, half of the duo, of the podcast <laughs> duo, as Starwalt and Perino. So thank you for joining me. You know it. And by the way, that's always Perino and Starwalt. I know where I rank in that Oh, one. P first. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Right, got it. Just for the record, I have been corrected. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so listen, there's so much going on in Washington around the world. I want to talk to you about, at least start with some of the domestic stuff, because as everyone knows, Congress is on Easter Passover recess right now. Mm-hmm. But there are some pressing things, including a major funding uh, measure that's got to be done by April 28th. Now, Chris, when do they come back? How much time are they going to have to get this done, and will they? Well, it depends on what they want to do. Uh, I th- If I had to guess, I think what we're going to see is a lot of willingness to kick the can. Um, We one of the advantages people complain. Currently, a lot of people are complaining or pointing out with a, a bit of huff that. President Trump has changed his position on a number of things in the past week or so, uh, whether it's uh, intervention in Syria, whether it's uh, China as a currency manipulator, NATO, NATO, all of these things. And there is this, well, can you believe he said that? And he said this. One of the advantages, I think the misunderstanding of Trumpism is Trumpism is not an ideology as it relates to conservative or liberal spectrum. It is a belief that winning is better than losing. It is a belief that um, the former uh, owner of the Oakland Raiders, Al Davis, said, just win, baby. And I think just win, baby, is sort of the bumper sticker version of Trumpism. Make America great again doesn't mean by being conservative or being liberal. It just means win. And I think that there is not a lot of appetite in Washington to have a ideologically blinkered fight over continuing to fund the government for the fi- for the remainder of the federal fiscal year, which runs through the end of September. I don't think that anybody particularly wants that, especially the president. So people say, well, the continuing resolution doesn't have money for the border wall. It doesn't have money for this. It doesn't. Well, what about your campaign promises? And the answer is, we'll get to it later. Why are you sweating me? So I expect that when they get back, getting a continuing resolution, continuing to fund the government at current levels through the end of September is not going to be that hard of a get. Okay, but with the things that you mentioned, the border wall and the yeah. $1.4 billion they asked to get started on that project, there's a lot of skepticism for many of the things that the president has asked for. But you and I know whenever they put out budgets or requests from the White House, they're, you know, there's nothing set in stone. These are you know, a sort of framework. This is what I'd like to have in a perfect world. I know I'm not going to get most of this, but i got to put it out there. Well, and it's also a campaign document. It's also a, it's also a starting point for negotiations. It's all of those things. The way to think about it is this. 
the Republicans in Congress and in the White House have until the end of September to do all this stuff. Um, that's not that long of a time because some of the things that they're talking about are very complicated. A, they have to decide, do they want to repeal and replace Obamacare? Mm-hmm. Or do they want to patch Obamacare for another year, which will be expensive, 7 or $8 billion probably, to uh, subsidize insurance companies? Do they want to really try for a tax reform this year? Do they really want to do? Do they really want to do that? They have not that much time to do that many things, but they do have the remainder of the spring and summer to make it happen. Uh, how ambitious and how much they want to try for those things. So, if you think about it this way, if you're Paul Ryan and you say, "Okay, we're going to do a CR, we're going to punt on spending until the fall," and the members of the Freedom Caucus say, "This doesn't cut any spending. This doesn't reflect any of the things. No priorities. This is the same thing. This this is a budget that we passed. This is a spending plan we passed under Obama, and we're continuing it, even though we control both both of these branches." Ryan's answer can be, "Focus on the budget." Don't focus on the small thing, because by the way, most of that money, you know how the agencies do, when money's authorized, they spend it. Oh, absolutely, because if you don't, you don't get it. You don't get it. The so, next year. So. so so what you could claw back out of a continuing resolution for four months or five months is nothing. That money is substantially already spent. So Ryan's argument to them would be, take the energy that you're applying to this and put it into the budget. Put it into Obamacare. Put it into taxes. You put it over there. And, and then... We we have to have the larger discussion, which is the president says, guys, I'm going to go work with the Democrats. Uh, I'm going to bring them to the negotiating table, and we are going to come up with a replacement for Obamacare. We're going to do it now. That is a big, as uh, Jerry Seinfeld once said to George Costanza, that's a that's a pretty big matzo ball you've got hanging out there. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. The vice president used a little bit more call for language. Biden. Oh, yes. Yes, he did. On, uh, to um, that point. To that to that point, quite so. Yes, madam. Now, let me ask you, because, uh, listen, anyone who knows you knows that you are a veritable encyclopedia oh, of no. political knowledge. Oh, no. Because you truly love it. You can tell and see your passion for it in covering it and having just nuggets no one else would ever know about. Um, you've covered all kinds of people and races and stories. Um, who do you think are some of the more fascinating characters that you've covered? That I've covered or that are in it now? Well, yeah, I'm or from it could West be Virginia. now. Because I mean, I'm from West Virginia. Exactly. I've, co- I've covered some fascinating individuals. Uh, one of the most fascinating people I ever covered was the uh, former governor of West Virginia, who is the father, was the father of current West Virginia Senator Shelley Moore Capito, mm-hmm. uh, Arch A. Moore, uh, who was a guest of the United States Department of Corrections for uh-huh. a period of time in his life, uh, but also was a hero of World War II, was a a remarkable, brilliant, fascinating, endlessly fascinating human being. That guy was amazing. Uh, and when you would, you'd be pressing him on an issue, asking him questions, he had a great line, which uh, I think of often. Uh, when you brought it back in a different way, he said, I thought I defeated that question. Um, <laughs> and Put it down. And, and he saw it truly. He saw the, he loved the interplay between reporters uh, and himself. He loved that, the sparring. He was fascinated by it. He, in, in a way, like Donald Trump does, mm-hmm. you know, Trump, the reporters are offended by the way that Donald Trump talks about them. He is offended by his, his characterizations of them. But let's be honest, this guy loves it. 
right? He mm-hmm. is a creation in New York. He was a creation of the press. Uh, and his battle, the pugilistic back and forth battle with reporters, and you watch him in the press conferences that he does, he relishes this. This is the conflict and the combat that he relishes. He thrives on coverage. It's all of that stuff. I think one of the things that people misunderstand about Trump is that he says he hates the media. But he loves it. He loves the interaction, he loves though. It. I mean, oh you, my gosh! You can see him when he has these press conferences where there's going to be an extended amount of time for question and answer. Like he, what, you remember the epically long one that he had? Oh man! Um, that it just would not end. And I thought he looks like he's having the time of his life, just going at it with these people. It was so raucous. I've never seen a White House press conference like that. And normally, presidents lie and say, um, "I try to ignore what's going on. I focus." on mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. I didn't see that. I don't watch that. Um, but we know that they do. And Trump drops the veneer. And he is a, no one consumes news product. Uh, I, I have never known of a president who, cons- maybe other than Lyndon Johnson, uh, but a president that consu- is such a voracious consumer of news. He knows who the reporters are. Mm-hmm. He understands the dynamics of the companies for which they work. He plays these games. And I think, I think that a lot of the anxiety about the White House assault on press freedom and all of these things is broadly overstated because the truth is, Yes. You want to be, as a reporter, venerated. You want to think that you are the equivalent of uh, a surgeon on a mercy ship as you carry out this lofty goal. But the truth is, we work in a trade, right? Uh, And you learn it by working hard. You hone it by shoe leather, by grinding it out, by doing this. And I think that, in the end, Donald Trump's presidency is going to be very good for journalism. I think it's going to be very good for journalists. They just have to get used to the fact that they're not going to be spoon-fed and catered to and kissed up to the way that they were before. He plays a New York game, and the New York game is Smash Mouth. Mm -hmm. I think it's fun to watch. I mean, I get questions about it. I'm sure you do, too, out and about where people will say, what do you think about him saying these things about the media and mistreating and whatever? And I say, I mean, I think a lot of us see it as the jousting that it is as well. And when you've been sort of um, less than welcomed with open arms by a previous administration, mm-hmm. as a member of Fox mm-hmm. News, you're like, hey, this is par for the course. Welcome to our world. We've gotten pretty used to this. Yeah. Um, now, the president, I believe, is heading off to Mar-a-Lago for this Easter weekend. Quite so. Do you have Easter traditions? I mean, for me, person of faith, um, you know, uh, of the Christian faith, and so for me, this is really my favorite holiday of the year, because to me, it's what gives you hope in the midst of all this crazy Washington and international stuff. Well, the the great thing about Easter is that it so defies secularization. Easter is a defiant holiday. Um, Christmas is easier to bundle up. Uh, it's a story about a baby. It's a story about uh, uh, a unwed mother. It's a story about, and then it becomes a story about giving presents and being nice. And what is it to be, uh, what is it for Christmas? We're going to be nice to each other and we're going to decorate. And so Christmas is a lot more accessible for secularization. Um, And perhaps it is fitting that 
for Christians, and we remember that more than three quarters of Americans identify themselves, at least nominally, as Christians, that in America, Easter and that part is the high holiday for Christians. It's not Christmas. Christmas is an important part of the liturgical calendar for Christ, for Christians, but Easter is the Megillah. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you think about as people try to make Easter, um, people try to make Easter uh, secular or broadly palatable, when what it celebrates is, as a pastor of mine once said, the fulcrum point in human history. There is Mm -hmm. everything before Easter Sunday, and then there's everything after that. And the radical nature of it, and what you celebrate in the Christians uh, give the Nicene Creed or the Apostles' Creed. Uh, I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. These are words that people say, but when we talk about Easter, this is scary stuff, right? What do you believe? You believe that human beings are going to come back to life, that people will, like Jesus did, come back to life, be uh, returned from the dead and be made alive again. And that is a radical idea that Christians celebrate. And no matter how many fluffy bunny tails mm-hmm. and no matter how many Cadbury eggs. Oh, I knew you were going to mention them. Which are disgusting. Beyond, <laughs> okay. Which are a, Tweet us if you like them or hate them. Let us know. Which are a vile abomination in the universe <laughs> of candy. Um, that no matter how much you put on that, the resurrection as an idea, whether you believe it or not, the resurrection as an idea defies secularization. Yeah, people don't want to get that detail. They want to have brunch. Right. And maybe an Easter egg hunt. Right. Um, but listen, what the real day is about is, uh, yeah, as you said, sort of the fulcrum point, the basis, if you believe, uh, uh, in that of a turning point of human history. Right. Okay, now, because you have just the Cadbury eggs, I have to ask you, what is your favorite candy? Other than bacon, because we know that's your favorite. I mean... Uh, candied bacon. Can, the kind with the brown sugar on it. The candied stuff. bacon, the good candied bacon is good. Uh, bacon put in donuts, bacon put on whatever is gross, and it's that stunt bacon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it that, helps salads, I'll tell you that. Uh, very much helps salad. Have you ever played the game? Think of a food that cannot be improved by either bacon or chocolate. There isn't one. Right. And you go through and you're like an orange. Actually, no, chocolate covered mm-hmm. orange would be pretty good. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a fun. When, as, as you're waiting for your brunch, uh, that can be a fun game you play. Uh, I would say my favorite candy period is toffee. Ooh. I like toffee That's things. That's a good one. Um, I love and share with my sons one of our fav- one of our favorite things to have uh, is the stork chocolate reason, which is a mm-hmm, uh, chocolate mm-hmm. caramel dipped in chocolate. But I am a, I confess, at Easter, I will consume a lot of jelly beans. Yum. Is that an in tribute to Ronald Reagan? <laughs> no. <in part? laughs> no. I, I, I will, I will, I spring for the really good jelly beans, not the like Brock's whatever they Mm-mm. all taste the same but the real Jelly Belly actual You're excellent fancy. Je- a- actual Jelly Beans I don't think of you as being too fancy about too many things but, but now on, we found one the but Jelly on Beans Jelly Beans you gotta be fancy okay now we're going to enter the cross-examination zone Okay, I'm ready. And this is where I'm going to ask you some questions. Sort of not lightning round, but pretty quick. I want to ask you some either or questions. Okay. All right. Would you rather an answer to the best of your honest ability? All right. Okay. I solemnly swear. Would you rather be the best player on a horrible team or the absolute worst player on a super winning championship team? Um, Worst. 
Worst what? Player or team? No, no. Worst, worst player on a winning team. Really? Because yeah. you can just experience the fruits of the labor and just be fabulous. Winning, it's it's it it is hard. As I believe it was the I believe it was the Zen philosopher Basho who said, "Sucks to suck." Uh, and no matter <laughs> it is true. No matter how much your contract is, no matter how much whatever, when you're losing, it's a real it's it's defeating. And by the way, maybe let me try to defeat the question in this way. The thing I would most want to be part of is a team filled with people. Like the one where we work in Washington, mm-hmm. which is filled with people who are hopeful and trying and optimistic and keep a good attitude about what they're doing. We get sick of winning sometimes. I get tired of Just it. Just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, if you had to choose for the rest of your life, would you choose between living on a houseboat or in an RV? Mmm. Mm, I want a motor coach. There is no, Do I, you? I will not lie to you, and and I, I will tell you that I would like to have a motor coach, but live in is the issue. Right. you got to pick one to live in. I'm houseboat. Yeah, because just think of all the fun places you could go. Well, and, and also, you can fish off of it. Yes, you can. Yes. And then eat and prepare your own fish. There you go. Okay. All right. Would you rather have unlimited amounts of any material that you want to build a house? You can be any size you want. Okay. Well, you have to build it yourself okay. or no. have a uh, highly regarded architect design and build for you what will be a very modest house. Modest. Okay. I can't build nothing. Um, me either. I mean, the Legos, that was a fun experiment. <laughs> Lincoln Logs, maybe, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, one step further, would you rather be covered in fur hmm. or covered in scales? Fur. Easy. Really? Scales are gross. I know, but... Uh, you know, I think about Teen Wolf, and I think about the he complications of having the furry face all of your governance skills. That's pretty bad, too. He kind of made it work. Uh, okay. Would you rather... N- I mean, hit movie with sequels. Right. Clearly. Exactly. Uh, would you rather never sweat again or never feel cold again? Would I rather never sweat again or never feel cold again? Hmm. So... I hate. I sweat a lot as a large mammal. Um, so I <laughs> not I, covered in fur or scales. Neither. Uh, so I, I do sweat a lot. Um, I'm almost never cold. I'm cold all the time. So I'm going to take the fat American choice and say never sweat again. Okay. So then I have to stay on the next sweat question. Okay. okay would you rather have edible spaghetti hair hmm. that regrows fully in every night while you're sleeping, or okay. sweat out maple syrup? I guess you got to go with spaghetti hair because you could really? shave it every day <laughs> and have lunch and have lunch and if and, and, <laughs> or spaghetti for breakfast or for breakfast yeah exactly put it in the fridge okay that's easy okay would you rather have every single traffic light you approach for the rest of your life always be green mm-hmm. or never have to stand in a line again there's a lot of lines in Washington but there's a lot of traffic lights on our commutes too yeah always green lights or no lines hmm I will take no lines I like that. Yeah, I will take no Because, I mean, you know, being in the D.C. area, anything from the DMV to, I mean, heck, you go to Whole Foods at the wrong time, you might as well just take up residency Co- there. Costco is oh, Costco. a catastrophe. And it, and if you get it wrong, it's just, it's a it's a brutalization. It is. And, and things get Lord of the Flies real fast oh, it's up like, in those situations. It's, it's like you go in there a Saturday, midday, that's like the Muriel boat lift is going on. And <laughs> you, you are asking for run it. Run for it, right. Okay, we have one last question for All you. Right, I save the grossest for last. Oh, good. Um, since it's Easter weekend and there will be lots of eggs around, would you rather eat an egg with a half-formed chicken oh, inside my goodness, Shannon. or eat live cockroaches? Wow. 
I, I like to save the really wow. tough ones for last because we're getting you warmed up with the earlier ones. I am appalled. Um, but since you made the cockroaches live, I guess I will go with the partially formed chicken embryo. With Listen, enough bacon and chocolate on it, we could get it down. Yeah. Um, can I tell you something before you kick me yes, off your podcast? Yes, sir. I am so proud of you, and I am mm. so proud of the great job that you are doing uh, in New York with Hemmer, and we miss you terribly Aww, here. Thank you. But you are doing such a great job, and you are doing it with the with the aplomb and grace, uh, dignity and decency that we have always known from you. Uh, and I know that no matter how great your success in life, you will always stay true to that. And we are just so proud of you. You are too much. I've been taking notes from you, mm-hmm. so I'm glad to see that it's paying off. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Chris, for your kind words and for joining us on this week's Live in the Bream. My second favorite podcast. See you soon. Bye. This has been Live in the Bream on Fox News Radio.